Hello, and welcome to another episode of On the Continuum, a podcast that gets into the nitty-gritty in the world of money. I'm David Rath, Chief Investment Officer at Continuum Wealth Advisors, here to remind you that when it comes to your money, very few issues are black and white. Most things exist on a continuum. Hello and welcome to our podcast on the continuum. My name is J.T. Cox. I'm here with my co-host David Rath. Each episode of this podcast, we're going to attempt to educate you on a specific topic. And so for today, David, what topic are we going to be discussing? So today we're going to attempt to answer the question, how much should I be saving? The other day I was helping somebody enrolling in their 401k plan, and they asked a very simple question, how much should I put away? So it goes into more detail than just your 401k, which we'll touch on in the episode. But we're going to attempt to answer the question, how much should you be saving at which point in your life? And this is a valuable, I think this is going to be a a valuable episode for everyone out there, for folks who are just starting out. You know, maybe they're just getting access to a 401k for the first time for folks who are in that mid-career where maybe things have started to go well for them and they're earning more money, but they also have family obligations and responsibilities to those folks who are closer to retirement. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is, you know, different ages, different goals as far as savings and what what you should try and target for those different ages and things like that. So I I think this is a valuable conversation. I'm excited to have this discussion here today. And I know, David, with your background, you've done a lot of retirement projections and you've worked with a lot of folks from, again, those early stage folks who are just starting out right through to those people who are about to retire. And and you have a lot of experience with that. Yeah. So as I mentioned, it's going to differ based on where you are in your career and what is your savings goal. So when you're starting out in your career, you have a lot of different goals. You have establishing an emergency fund. If you're married and have kids, maybe there's a college savings aspect to your savings. Uh, there's also the obvious retirement plans. And so I think the primary question that people have when they're at a new company and they're looking at their benefits and they're enrolling in their 401k, it's how much should I, how much should I put away into my retirement plan, my 401k? So JT, what is like the bare minimum that you would suggest? Absolutely. So I think if you're just starting out, and you have nowhere else to get started, you're just starting from square one, a lot of times a company will offer a match. So if you put in a certain percentage, say you put in 6%, the company will match up to 50% of that, right? So they'll put in 3%. So I'm a big fan of trying to take advantage of that free money and trying to save enough to earn the full company match. And I think that is a really good starting point for some for, for most folks out there. Now, again, we'll throw the caveat out there that we understand it's not always easy to do that. You know, I mean, you and I were talking earlier uh, off air about, you know, starting out in our careers and our salaries were not that great, mm-hmm. right? Maybe we had some student loan <clears throat> debt payments that we had to pay off. We had some well, living obligations, obviously, that we had. So it's not easy. But I think that's a target that we should try and get to where you're, earning, you're saving enough to really earn that full company match. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head because it's essentially free money, like you said. It's it's a way to double your contributions, at least if you're putting the exact amount of the company match uh, into your into your 401k. So if anything, always ensure that you are getting your company match. Of course, with that caveat that you're not uh, you're not foregoing some more immediate expenses in, in that process. 
Sure. No one likes to eat cat food, and we're never going <laughs> to advocate for that on this on the air here. The other thing that I like, especially for those young folks out there who are just getting started, a lot of companies have a, that will offer a feature that I think is a really nice feature, and it's an auto-increase feature. And what the auto-increase feature does is it will increase your contribution rate by, say, 1%, for example, each year. And what I love about this is as we work, a lot of times companies will offer some kind of a pay raise, whether it's a cost of living adjustment or maybe you get a, a bonus or maybe you get a salary increase because you get a promotion. And so your income will start to increase throughout your career. And what this does is actually increases your contribution rate by 1% every year. And I love this because, again, if you can tie it together, you're not really seeing an out-of-pocket difference because it's a portion of your pay increase is, is being funneled to your savings. But over time, it can increase the savings pretty significantly. So let's say you start out, if you put in 6%, the company will match 3%, so you're putting in 6% to start, but then you use this auto-increase feature. Well, four years from now, you're contributing 10%, mm -hmm. and it's been a slow burn, so you haven't really felt that out of pocket, but now you're contributing some significant dollars. And what's nice about that is if your salary is increasing, the percentage is increasing, but also the amount of dollars on a gross level that you're saving in, now you're starting to save some real money. Yeah. So I love the auto-increase feature. Yeah, it's the classic out of sight, out of mind. If it's not hitting your checking account, then you're not you're not tempted to spend it because it's going to be in that in that retirement plan. Uh, and I've always said that the most dangerous place for a dollar is in somebody's checking account because Absolutely. if it's there, we're probably going to spend it. Uh, so it's a way of harnessing some of the behavioral finance tactics of keeping that segregated from your uh, from your spendable money. Such a good point. That's one of the key characteristics of the 401k is that you can sort of set it, forget it, and not think about it. And I love that because if you ask the regular, you know, the, the common person, the normal person out there at the end of every month, hey, you know, how much can you contribute to your retirement plan this month? We'll say, oh, you know what, this month I had a birthday or I had, I had some travel plans. I went out to dinner, so I don't really have that much money left over at the end of this month. You know, so, so automation is such an important key to this. And that's why that 401k plan and the automation factor of it is a great feature. Now, is there a situation where somebody is contributing too much to their 401k? Absolutely. Um, when it comes to financial planning at a high level, it's all a balancing act, right? We have, we have a specific amount of dollars to work with. We have a specific amount of time, right? We only have so many resources. And you know, resources being spent one place are resources not being spent in another place. And so there's opportunity cost out there. And, you know, you might think I'm crazy to say, well, you can save too much for retirement, but the truth is you can. Because, you know, another thing that folks will want to set up is an emergency fund, right? Where if something does happen, maybe your car breaks down and you need, a, you know, a couple hundred dollars to fix something, or maybe you're looking to buy a house, you know, you need some dollars for that. You really want to allocate your resources appropriately so that you're meeting your specific goals. And so retirement is a goal, and it's a really important one. And we want to make sure that we're meeting that goal, or at least on the path to be meeting that goal. But we can't do it at the risk of jeopardizing the ability to buy a house, send a child to college, um, have an emergency fund, that type of stuff. Yeah, and... If you do have the money in a 401k, you can access it via loans and hardship withdrawals, mm -hmm. but it you can't access all of it. You have to go through a process, pay interest on that money. There's it, It's not readily available to you, so it's important to have that short-term money 
for, like you said, emergencies, but also opportunities. Like if you're buying a house, you want to have that cash readily available. Absolutely. And, and the other thing, 401ks, they might be invested in the stock market that's going to go up and down. If you have money f- to buy a house in a year or two, you know, those are probably, you want a safer vehicle for that because you don't want those dollars at risk to dropping if, in case the market drops in a year or so. And that's a whole other discussion that we'll dive deeper into, I think, in the future. But I, I think that's an important distinction that you make, David. And it's just recognizing, and, and as financial planners, we need to recognize, you know, we all have limited resources. And it's all about trying to figure out what the proper allocation is to meet our different goals. And, and we want to be realistic about our goals. If it's I want to sail around the world every year, that's probably not a realistic goal, <laughs> right? Um, so, But it's just laying out, okay, you want to buy a house? It's very reasonable. Let's make sure we set up some dollars being funneled towards that. We want to have an emergency fund. Let's make sure we're funneling some dollars towards that. And then retirement, we definitely want to have some dollars going towards that. So I think starting out, as you said, I think it's important to really focus to try and get that company match, maybe utilize that auto escalation or auto increase feature so that you can start to build those dollars up that are going in. And now as folks start to approach mid-career, again, now maybe their, their salary's increased, they've gotten some promotions, they've caught some traction in their career, they're starting to do a little bit better, but also now maybe they've got some family obligations. Maybe they've got young children, they've got a, a spouse, they've got a house. So at that stage, Again, that's where I really think, to your point, you really want to make sure you have the dollars being allocated to different buckets to understand what the purpose of each of those buckets are. Yeah, and then once you are in that mid-career stage, chances are you have some more money available to you to save, and you want to avoid what's known as lifestyle creep, meaning as you get paid more money, the temptation is to spend more money. So you buy your bigger house, you buy a bigger car, you go on more vacations. So as you are able to save more than that minimum of getting company match, I like to target 10 to 20% mm-hmm. of annual income going into some form of savings. It doesn't necessarily have to be your retirement fund, but you, have, you, you should be putting away 10 to 20% of your income into a variety of savings vehicles optimized for your current situation. Now, this does two things. A, it helps you save more, but it also teaches you to live off of less. So it's a double-edged sword of coaching yourself to live off of less dollars and at the same time, you're building your savings, your nest egg faster. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's such a good point. And I think that 10 to 20% target is great. And I loved how you framed it up. So let's say you, know, you wanna save into an emergency fund, you wanna save into a college fund for a child and you wanna save into retirement. Maybe, okay, 10% going into retirement, 5% going into uh, an emergency fund and then 5% is being saved for college funding. And I'm just making up those numbers. That gets you to your 20% total savings rate. And, and the ability to live off of less is, is such a valuable resource, especially as you enter retirement. Because I know I've worked with folks And they say, do I have enough to retire? And they want me to just look at whatever the number is. And the answer is, that doesn't tell me. That's only half the picture. How much are you spending? Because we've got clients who have millions and it's still not enough because they're spending like they have multi-multi-millions and they don't, right? So what your spending rate is has a huge impact on your ability to retire. And the more we can um, exercise that discipline 
uh, gene that we've got, right, and that discipline trait throughout our working career so that we're not, you know, just keeping up with the Joneses and, oh, somebody else bought a boat, so I'm going to buy a boat, and, oh, somebody else bought a country club membership, so I'm going to get a country club membership and bigger house and nicer car. You know, you want to try and avoid that as much as possible. Again, that's not to say we all have to live like um, like we're monks and, you know, live off of rice, but you do want to have some discipline in place there. Yeah, and the discipline primarily relates to the big ticket items. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's there's a commonality in financial planning or finan- personal finance writing where for whatever reason they attack the daily cup of coffee. <laughs> I don't know why cup of, cups of coffee are between 2 and $4 depending yep. on what you're putting in them, but people will attack that as a way to cut back. If you're cutting out your daily cup of coffee, but you're still spending much too uh, much too much money on a uh, on a on a mortgage or a car payment, it's not going to matter. So right. control those big ticket items and make sure that those are under control. Making making sure you're budgeting for them before you sign those documents. Absolutely, and there's different. Um rules of thought there as far as how much you can spend on mortgages and stuff. And I think we'll do another episode in the future on cash flow planning and address some of those percentages as far as how much can be allocated towards housing and car payments and things like that. Um, but but for the purposes of going back to how much should I be saving? So again, that mid-career, you know, f- for that individual, it's really starting to target, okay, how much I, I want to fund retirement because now I can actually start to think about it a little bit. And then we talk about later on in your career and this is i'd say is 10 years till retirement and closer and now is where retirement starts to get real you know when you save for retirement in your 20s i mean i did it we all did it we had no idea what it was it was some vague nebulous thing in the future that again retirement wasn't a real thing in my head right i just did it because people told me to you know in your mid-career you're starting to think about it a little bit but it's still your mid-career your your head is down you're working you know, but as you get closer, you know, 10 to 5, 5 to 10 years from retirement, now it's starting to get real. And this is where the fun can come in because now you can start to do things like run projections and say, okay, what am I on track for if I continue to do what I'm doing now? How much can I save if I run projections? And based on that savings, what will that provide for me in retirement? Yeah, and this is the stage where the mindset starts to shift from I am going from an accumulation where I'm saving and at some point in the near future I'm going to be now taking distributions Mm -hmm. and that is such a paradigm shift for people to be able to make that switch so as you mentioned you want to be running projections that are going to give you a, a, a pretty good guess about what your retirement picture is going to look like you're very late in the game at this point, so there's not a lot you can do to make up lost ground that you should have been doing earlier in your career, mm-hmm. but you can still be putting money away. You can still try to make up as much as possible in order to make your retirement look better, but it's going to be harder than if you started in your 20s or 30s. Yeah, starting early is always going to be the answer. Um, but again, to David's point, you know, trying to play catch-up, say, okay, I want to retire in a year and I'm starting at zero – Good luck, yeah. right? And that's where you know, we encourage folks, they say, well, I'll just save for the future. I'll just save for retirement in the future when I'm making more money. And, and that mindset is sort of a negative mindset because it just keeps pushing things off and pushing things off. So you really want to guard against that. Um, but I, I think that now you can really start to run some projections and say, okay, what am I on track for? And, and we have financial planning software um, where we can show you, okay, based on what you've been doing, this is what your this is what the outcome is going to be. If we make an adjustment to that, you know, 
we can make adjustments, and this is what the potential outcome can be. And now we can also start to talk about, all right, it will grow to a certain dollar amount, right? Whatever that dollar amount is. And, okay, this is what the account value is going to be. But what does that mean for you as far as what you can expect to generate income off of that dollar amount? Yeah, and... It's important for me to point out at this stage that those projections that we run, those are an ongoing process because Mm -hmm. we don't know the future, unfortunately, and (laughs) we can't predict accurately what you're going to spend, how long you're going to live, what inflation looks like in the future. We can't predict any of that. So it's a good thing to revisit on a yearly basis with a financial advisor to make sure that you are staying on track because there's so many things that can throw you off track that when you've, you've worked so hard to get to that stage, you've saved enough money, you want to make sure that the retirement picture that you've planned for is still in play. Yeah, you're starting to get into crunch time, right? In sports, at the end of the game, it's crunch time. And that's the time where you really want to be dialed in. And, and it's the same thing. It's no different. When you're starting to enter retirement, that's, that's the mindset that you want to have is, okay, I better make sure what have I been doing? What should I be doing, or what does if I if I continue to do what I've been doing, what is that? What's the outcome there, and what adjustments can I make? And this is also when we're going to start to look at what are you saving into, and how are you allocate, how are you allocating within that account? And again, that's another conversation that we'll have in another day, but it's going to be critical to really have that conversation too. I can't tell you how many folks I met with who, you know, they're 55 years old, they're thinking about retirement in seven years, and I say, okay, talk to me about your 401k allocations, and they say, well, I set it up when I started at the company 30 30 years ago, and I haven't addressed it since. Well, we better address it, (laughs) because maybe it's perfect, but chances are things have changed in 30 years. Yeah, so we're primarily talking about the savings amount this Mm -hmm. episode, but there's a lot more to it, like you mentioned what, you're, what are you investing in? What type of accounts are you putting the money into? There's a lot of things that go into that. Absolutely. And so these are all conversations that I think are going to be very important for folks. And to have a partner, whether it's just an accountability partner, which we can act as for a lot of folks, or just somebody who can help run those projections, that's exactly what David, myself, and Tim Smith here, the president of our firm, can do for you. Um, and so we're happy to sit down. So David, if folks want to sit down and have a chat with us, uh, what's the best way for them to get in, get a hold of us? You can give us a call here at the office. The number is 518-583-4050, or you can check us out on the web, contwealth.com, C-O-N-T wealth.com. There's a contact us form. Fill that out. It goes right to my inbox, and I respond within 24 business hours. Yep. So again, that's an individual who's responding to that. I think that's always important to note. So David, do you want to just summarize at a high level? You know, we've talked about kind of three different phases of folks through their working years that that person who's just starting out or, you know, just early in the career, that mid-career person, and then that later stage career person. What are some things that they should be thinking about? So at the early stages, making sure that you're at least getting the company match, utilizing that auto increase feature if your company allows it, By mid-stage, you want to be targeting 10 to 20% of your income. And then as you approach retirement, it shifts more from the amount that you're saving to potentially planning for what those withdrawals look like. But of course, the more that you're putting away, the better at that stage as well. Absolutely. And and the nice thing is the government does allow things like catch-up contributions where you can increase your contribution amount going in once you reach certain ages, over the age of 50. Yep. So the government does allow you to do some catch-up. But you don't, as you mentioned, and I think it's a really good point, don't put it off forever. Right? Don't wait and say, oh, I'll just wait till I'm 50, then start saving. Maybe you'll be able to make it, maybe not. Again, you're taking on a lot of risk at that point. Yep. 
Absolutely. Very good. Well, folks, we thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful for you. But as David said, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. You can do that on the web at www.contwealth.com. Or you can give us a call at the office. And David, one more time, what's the phone number? 518-583-4050. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Take care. Please note the information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. Nothing discussed constitutes a recommendation. If you would like a review of your personal financial situation, please contact us at contwealth.com or call 518-583-4050.